All right, so I'm going to talk about sorrow and hope today. Great subject matter, don't you think, Gail? Oh, good girl. You're, you're my go-to now. I'm sitting on the cord. All right, is it too loud? Okay, all right. Thank you, Bob. I'll look over here for sound help, over here for, yeah, good subject matter. So, um, I want to talk about lamenting and hope. But I didn't like the word lament up there in the title, so I put sorrow, because that's what lamenting means. An expression of grief or sorrow to mourn. And there's all kinds of other things that go along with it, depending on how sorrowful or, or lamenting you are. It could be a more powerful, passionate expression of those things, like wailing or moaning. Any of those things would fit. Weeping or groaning. Did you like that? I made it all rhyme. Okay. Um, you know, we all have all that kind of stuff in our lives, definitely and most certainly. And so God thought it was most important because he put an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. And it was exactly that kind of expression that God was, was giving to Jeremiah to write down to talk about those things which should have been that did not occur. I, that's one way to say it. But those things that um, God had spoken to, okay, God had spoken to um, the nation of Israel about the about do's and don'ts. Um, in I need to turn my phone off. In Jeremiah's time, um, he was a prophet during the time of mostly King Josiah, but he was also around for, you know, Zedekiah and Jehoiakim, those kind of guys. Vicky can tell you all about the kings, by the way. So could my kids if they were here, which would be your kids. But anyways, because we talked about the kings all the way through, about those that were good, those that were bad. And I won't even tell you the 10 were good and two were bad because most of them were not good kings. King Josiah was basically, I think, the last king that was anything decent and worth his salt in understanding who God is and how it was to be a son. Um, so even during that time period, with Josiah being a, all that in a bag of chips as a king, um, <laughs> is anybody listening to me from a foreign country? What? Um, you know, the nation of Israel still had... I'm going to say, still had issues. And Jeremiah lived through that time period. This was, this was his time period. He had some, I think Ezekiel was one of his cohorts during that time period as well. So you want to really feel chipper, read Ezekiel and Jeremiah and, and then Lamentations, and you'll just have a wonderful day. <laughs> but... Still in all of that, yeah. Still in all of that, um, Jeremiah knew what the hope was. So that's why it's lamenting and hope. Sorrow and hope. So we know in the Old Testament, the word hope has a little bit of a different definition, and yet it entwines itself very nicely 
with the New Testament, the Greek word for hope, elpis, that we've talked about and discussed. So, you know, the root of elpis is found in the word faith, wholeheartedly believing, not even, nothing, nothing else but the belief in what God has planted within your heart, that it will be as God said it's going to be. Our problem is it's planted in our heart, and then what happens? Our brain gets involved, and then things start to change. Well, it's not happening now. Okay, never mind. I've lost all hope, that kind of a thing. And that in a time period that we're in right now, I'm just going to say that's illegal. Now, we're in football season. Some will throw a flag on the play, 15-yard penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct for having that kind of, of thought process. So we don't get that as, a, as an option. It's really actually not an option for us. You know, failure was not an option at the space program. Well, failure is not an option as saints and sons. And we don't fail when we hold on to what the Lord has planted within us, what he's deposited in our hearts. That's everything, but that's also that, that seed of faith which gives us that hope that we know God is with us. God is the one in control. Now, maybe each of us are going through different things, I understand. But overall, as a church, no crying is allowed to occur. From the experiences that we have in life, crying is going to occur. We understand that there's a cycle. You know, there's, we've, we've got the seven spirits, right? We have the, the chewing that goes all the way around. So from death comes life. And even physical death, like Robin, sorry, Kim. <laughs> you know, there's life that's going to come from this. Part of it is a big jolt right, to, to us. I mean, we were ready, but now that she's gone, it's like, I got to fill in the blank. I got a lot of things. We got a lot of things. We, ah. So it can be difficult for some people. Not everybody's having difficulty, and everybody has it in different places, right? So I had it on my way into church today for some reason. I was talking to Robin the whole way here, <laughs> like a goofhead. <laughs> So I think God was with me, so that was good. I think, I know you were, Lord. Sorry. But everybody is experiencing that death in some sort of way. But even outside of that, we have things that we are going through, the different people are going through, that is very much like death. Like, oh, hey, losing a job. We've had that going on. That's very much like that. What about promises not fulfilled? Whether the, and I'm not going to say it's God that didn't fulfill it. I'm just going to say there's that human factor where I promise you're going to get this too bad. That's like a death in a way. It's like a, having an expectation not met that you absolutely believed was gonna, it's going to be there. Those kinds of things are occurring I won't say daily, but those kinds of things are occurring all around us and, and to us, and, and even as a house. Now, mind you, I don't, I don't, don't pretend to know all the plans of God. 
and how he's doing what he's doing. I made everybody cry. Sorry, except David and Larry and Bob. Okay, wait, I, I'm, I'm seeing a pattern here. <laughs> not that you guys don't miss Robin. That's not what I'm saying. But anyway, um, oh, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, the enemy would like to use these times to tear apart and break down. You know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to say that this was, this, this is all part of God's plan because otherwise he's not sovereign, okay? So he's sovereign. We got to go with what we know until that's not there. And then we go, dang it, we're not sovereign, God is. Okay, go God. And we, we're going with him, okay? So... So really, on a very personal basis, this is really about you in this house, and it's about this house. And we can extend it on. Hopefully Ricky's on. Hi, Ricky. Um, but, um, you know, anybody that might happen upon, our, happen upon this Sunday school might go, what are they talking? Why are they all crying? What's going on? You know, it's just right now we're in that cycle. So we've, we've, we've had death experience and or experiences depending on what you're doing and what's happening in your life. And now from that is comes the life, comes the hope. For some people, it's, it's hard. It's like, why did that happen? Or we keep thinking those kinds of things. But God's like, it did happen. I understand in the flesh that you're sad or you're heartbroken or you don't understand. You have no confidence in yourself, all those kinds of things. But God's saying, no, let me, let me plant that seed of faith within your heart so that the hope grows within you. And then we have nowhere else to go but up. Right? So, yeah. So there's, you know, there's, there's just lots of things. <laughs> you know, again, death not just in the natural, but anything that we might be holding on to. I, and I think some, for me, I'm going to say, I, I believe it's like a jolt for me and my system that God's just trying to say, hey, you know, you, you thought things were good, and, and they were, but I, things are going to be better. But I need you to, 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 to downshift, and then we're going to shift up. So you downshift when you're going down a hill, right? Larry, I'm looking at you because you drive big rigs or big buses, and when you're going down a hill, you're not going to be in fourth gear, just <laughs> That would be a little dangerous, right? But anyways, we, you know, we got we to downshift, but sometimes we don't want to do that unless something happens to force us to do that. So we're just like, yeah, things are going, we're going, we're going okay, and this is good. And it's almost like we're in this status quo. We're in the rut in the road, and this is, a, and God's like, that's great. I mean, that's a good rut that you're in. It, it's needed, but hold up now, because there's so much more that's going on. I need you to be a participant to partner with me in what's happening. So when I look at the Book of Lamentations, and I look at, at all that Jeremiah experience, you know, his entire, the entire book of Jeremiah, right? He was called the weeping prophet. The book of Jeremiah was all about him pounding people in the head saying, look, you got to change. Well, he didn't really pound them, but because they told him to go pound sand because they, every time he, go away, go away. Don't talk to me, go away. So what was the biggest issue that Israel was having at that time? Well, it was idolatry, right? I mean, they wanted to do, to do everything but what God was telling them to do. They wanted to be a part of everything that was going on except what God was asking them to partner with them in. 
And, you know, this was, this was a time period that was very, I think, volatile in history because, you know, Babylon had been part of the history of Israel for a while by the time we got to Jeremiah and King Josiah. They were, you know, they were around. I'm going to say it that way. And before that, there was all this whole Pharaoh Egypt thing. I mean, we can look at the adversaries that the nation of Israel had, and we could probably look at our modern day self and go, oh, that's like Egypt, which we usually say that's the world. Oh, that's like, you know, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And, and we can, that's like, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, you can see how the enemies of the nation of Israel are similar to the enemies of the sons of God today. Now, we want to, obviously, we're striving slash working forward slash not stopping because this is what God needs us to do. As sons of God, this is what he needs us to do. And overall, the concept of idolatry even being an issue within us is like, really? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Well, I think some of the things that have happened and things that are going to happen are kind of jolting us to seeing that we've got to think even more different than we are now. We have to change the way we see things. Now, has what we've been seeing to this point been wrong? No, 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 I'm not saying that at all. And, and that's going to also help fuel us further. But there's some other things that are happening that God's like, look, you can't see it this way. Even though you know blue means God's glory and presence, blue also means whatever, because it's going to be different for each of us. But God's asking us to, you know, put on our teacher-seer hat, which I know I think I've been talking about quite a bit, but all of the hats of the fivefold offices are needed for this time. We need to see everything that he's doing. We, we need to know the ways that he's doing the things that he's accomplishing. And so for me, I'm going to say for me, you know, the things that have been happening, you know, all around me are, are jolting me to, hey, you need to look at it this way. It's like being zapped with lightning, but not as painful. Well, you know, have you ever seen... Well, I don't know. That may be true. You know all those videos you watch of the people standing in the tree in the lightning storm, and then the lightning strikes the tree, and they all fall down? Well, not all of them die. But anyway... But I bet it hurts like the Dickens. <laughs> I should keep going? Okay. So, all right. So we look at the book of Jeremiah, and we see that Jeremiah's message is to the, to the nation of Judah at that time, because that's who is around Jerusalem at that time. And it's, it's always about the out-of-control idolatry that existed at that time. Okay? So um, after King Josiah dies things get even worse. I mean, they were okay, but when he goes and we get the next king, who I can't remember who it is, I think it's Jehoah something, Jehoah, whatever, um, things get even, even worse for them. They, they are pretty much do whatever you want to do, it's okay. And yet there's Jeremiah, wherever he's at, delivering the message of you must follow what God is asking you to do. You must follow him. You must understand the difference between God and not God. I mean, yeah. And so 
you know, he presents, even in Jeremiah, he even talks about the coming Messiah. There's, there's certain chapters where he discusses who's coming next. He's a branch of David. Those things are also in, in Jeremiah. And he's doing, Jeremiah's doing everything he can to get them to listen. But he's living through everything that's happening. Because you understand that even if you are following the Lord, the atmosphere around you could be as, as icky as can be. And you're still in that. You're, you're in that. Can you not experience it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't figured out how to do that because my flesh is still here. Okay, I understand. My flesh is here. So I, my spirit man. No, really. Think about the things that have happened in the last couple of months. How is your spirit man doing? I don't think it's doing too shabby. But your flesh is still like, what? Or whatever it's doing. Because, you know? And... So I don't know about you guys, but that really kind of makes me mad at myself, my flesh. Oh, we could do that. We could have spirit man versus flesh man, and I could have a big argument with myself. You guys probably already done that. Um, (laughs) So it's very obvious that Jeremiah loved the nation of Judah. He loved those group of people that loved Jerusalem because, not every time, but it seemed that he gained the weeping prophet because there was some crying going on in his book. He was a guy, but he still cried. I don't know. When did he say that? Did he cry tears? I don't think it says that he specifically cried tears. But, again, we must obey God. And that's what Jeremiah was telling to the nation of Israel. And even after all the stuff that he's telling them, on and on and on, they do not listen. So in comes the destruction. Now, we serve a loving God. I absolutely believe that. But so many, and not but, so many people say that we serve a loving God. When things start happening, destruction starts to occur, things, you know, the wheel comes off the wagon, all those things, people, people don't understand why that happens. They don't understand that the, Choices that you make have consequences. And no, no, we serve a loving God. We, we do serve a loving God. He absolutely loves you. Everything that's happening and has happened in your life to this point has all been part of what God has done to bring you to him and to bring you to an understanding of who you are and to bring you to an understanding of what you're going to do in the kingdom of God. I think that attitude is just kind of fostered by the philosophy of <clears throat> God did it or Jesus did everything on the cross and there's nothing left to do. I, I, I mean, really, I think that's probably where that comes from. Yeah. Because then if there's never any investment required from you, then when things go south, it's all of a sudden like, well, wait a minute. I was along for the ride. What happened what to happened? the benefits here? Exactly. Man, we really humanize God, don't we? I mean, that's a, I mean that, that's a very startling truth. We do. We, we, we see what God's doing, and then we try to put it into a, a place where we can understand it. And we understand that that ain't possible. We have to use our spirit, man, to get what God's doing. And even then, we don't always get all the X, Ys, and Zs. We can't always solve for those three Unknowns. Guys, math people. What? Z's? Okay, never mind. Three-dimensional, okay? Okay, X and Y. Never mind. So, you know, 
it, it's a great mystery. Some of you are going, yes, X, Y, Z, what? Okay, it's, it, these great mysteries cannot be revealed to, to flesh and blood. They have to, only can be revealed to our, our spirit man. So, you know, Jeremiah, was, his basic message was, we need to do the desire and the will of God and not your desire and your will. And that's where you people are going wrong. Listen up. Let's get it straightened out. But that didn't happen. So things continue to deteriorate. And then here comes Babylon. Here comes Nebuchadnezzar leading his armies into the nation of Judah and into Jerusalem. And what happened? They destroyed everything. They burnt down Solomon's temple to like, how do they do that when it's all brick and whatever? But anyhow, they burnt down Solomon's temple, to the ground, as they say. They destroyed it. Now, Jesus knew that, and that's one of those things he got a lot of criticism for when he said, see those stones, and uh, oh, I'm the cornerstone, and other people are like, what is he talking about? Get away from me, man. Some people did say that. But there was a lot of sorrow for Jeremiah when he understood, and it would be the same thing for us, because it is for us right now, we understand that many in our nation are not in the right place. And the people that are in charge, that have authority that's given by God or allowed by God, that authority, are not, they do not have our best interests in mind as sons of God. Best interests in mind, flesh and blood, uh, probably that's what they're doing all of their decision making on. But best um, decisions for us as a, as a nation, as sons, not so much. So does it make us sad? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it's still making us really mad. I don't, I'm not sure where everybody stands on that, but Jeremiah was extremely sad. And so he's written all these things in the book of Jeremiah. He's really a memoir, a memoir of what God said to them to not do. And then it, they did, and then the destruction came. So then we get to Lamentations. This is really his heartfelt, more than so, heartfelt of what's really going on in the nation of Israel. But really, what's going on in heaven? What's going on in the spirit realm? What's happening with what God's doing and what Israel's doing? So Lamentations is, a, is only five books. Yes, I tried to do a fivefold, but I stopped. Limitations is just five books. And it's, you know, they call it poetic because Jeremiah, when he wrote what God told him to write, it happened to start with the first letter of this thing, you know, the first five letters of the alphabet, all the stuff that I don't totally understand, which probably means a lot more to people that are of Israel descent. But there's 22 verses in four of the five books, exactly 22 verses. But in chapter 3, there's 66. So there's all kinds of interesting things in there. Does it really matter? Because who created the chapters? It's not like Jeremiah said, chapter 1, and God told him to write 22 verses. I, I don't think so. I could be wrong. I'm not a Bible scholar, but lots of people talk about different things with that. But he wrote these five, these five books, five chapters, but he wrote the book of Lamentations, and he was laying out the different aspects of what had just occurred. So 
you know, the first chapter talks about the desolation of Jerusalem. The second chapter talks about God's wrath or God's anger towards Israel. Chapter 3 talks about, really, is the voice of Jeremiah and the sufferings that he went through, the individual sufferings that he felt. Did he assign blame in chapter 3? Yes and no. So, because he does say, and he, and he, and to me, he's speaking of, he's speaking of what the Lord poured out, Jeremiah had to be a part of, unless he left, which he did not. Chapter 4 talks about the miseries of what it was like after the city fell, after it was destroyed and being run in by Babylonians. And then the, the last chapter, chapter 5, I don't know, it could be like a prayer, like, you know, mercy, the Lord, give us your mercy, you know. So when you look at, um, you know, the book, you can see a step-by-step process that Jeremiah is laying out. I think it's, it's probably, I mean, it's, it's, it can be very emotional when you read it. So chapter 3 is where we're focused on. That's all I wrote, not the whole chapter, but this one section in chapter 3 I wrote because for whatever reason, it really, really spoke to me, especially two verses. But here's another reason why it really, really spoke to me. If you look, you can see all the bolded words. Those are the different names of God that Jeremiah invoked in, in chapter 3. I'm sure it was other places. But I was looking at how everything worked perfectly. How how the, the name that was applied was properly applied to that situation, and then this name to that situation. So just in these few verses, you can, you can absolutely see how, you know, we under, how, we, how we've come to the understanding of what El Yon means, what Adonai's talking about, what um, El, Mighty One's talking about. So that, along with, you know, the verses and what they're saying, really, I don't know, just... It spoke to me. Maybe you guys can just get up and leave if it's not speaking to you. I'm just kidding. I think he's got that look on her face. When are you going to say something that I can write down? <laughs> it's true, but she's definitely not. Never mind. Moving on. We're talking about the movie. They talked to me into going to see Top Gun, Maverick. I don't like the look on your face. It's the only one I've got. (laughs) Yeah, David was right with us. I don't know about those two people over in the corner on that side. Nope, they weren't with us either. (laughs) So let's just read Lamentations, uh, what's on your sheet. Chapter 3, verses 37 through 41, and it says, Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not. Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart and our hands unto God in the heavens. Now, you can definitely, I don't know if you can definitely see it, but I can definitely see how the names of God in this scripture fit perfectly with what God is trying to relay and Jeremiah is trying to write to express what's happening now. What, what does it feel like now? 
And we could use these same exact words because one of the things that we definitely, definitely have been doing, especially over this summertime, is examining our ways. We've been looking at how we think and how we do things. Now, does that mean everybody's changed? I have no idea. You tell me. I'm trying. I've got some things that God's like, you cannot look at it that way anymore. You just can't. Well, okay, but it's right there, and it makes me angry. I'm just telling you the truth. Just kind of pisses me off. Are you going to let me not put that on there because I said that? Okay. Um, it just, it's, it's irritating. And I realize I have absolutely zero patience sometimes. Maybe more times than not lately. I don't know. It's just been not easy. And it's, it's everything. Um, it seems like it's almost everything. And, you know, I try... And there's times when I catch myself and I know I'm, I'm like right there with the Lord. This is great, Lord. I want to stay right here. All right. And then I start thinking something wrong and I'm over here and I'm yelling, okay? Or I'm over here and I'm kicking the bucket because it's really ticking me off and it's not the bucket. Or, you know, I don't know how you guys are doing, but that's how it feels to me. That I'm in the wrong place. I need to be right there with God. Okay, this is perfect. Why don't I remember that? My emotions so let's look at and review the names of God that we have bolded here. So Adonai. So we know Adonai is the placement and assignments of the people of God. That's what he does. He places us and gives us an assignment. And this is the relationship that exists between the people of God and the authority of the Almighty. Adonai, he puts you where you need to be at the time that you need to be and gives you what he needs you to do. Now, that could be anything that you would normally expect or it can be something that you do not expect, okay? So when you talk about being placed in this house, you talked about the assignments in this house. Most of us are like, dup, 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 I kind of have an idea, yeah. And that, that guy over there in that shirt, yeah, he da, 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 and that girl back there in the dress, da, da, da. you kind of can look around and see how everybody kind of fits together. But what happens when one of the pieces is gone? Okay, I'm still here because this is where he placed me. Now my assignment has changed. And everyone's assignment's going to change. Because when you lose a piece of the puzzle, we've got to form a new piece and stick it in there. I mean, unless someone's going to walk through the door that knows, you see? But right now, no. So we all have a piece that we put as part of the puzzle to make it fit. Not make it fit, but to fit because we have assignments. We are placed here. We have assignments. So that just kind of makes, makes you think, stop, hold on, wait, i got to think again. How do I do that? What am I supposed to be doing? God, God knows that. And we have that relationship with him that he can just say, yeah, that's what I'm saying, so here, jump on, let's talk about it. You know? And it's not for people who are fixers that are sitting in this church, because we have fixers that sit here right now. We even have fixers that are probably watching. Hi, Ricky. You know, it's not like, oh, i got to fix this. No, you need to get your assignment from Adonai. He has placed you here. What's the assignment? So then we look at Elyon. And this was not El Elyon. This was just Elyon in Scripture, the Most High, that aspect of God. 
And it's very interesting that, it, that it's used here, but you'll look and understand when we go back and read it again. Now, El Yon, okay, he's the God, the aspect of God that's above all other power and all other influence. He's the most high God. So when we go and see him, we're in the highest place, okay? I'm not talking like me and Bob who would get afraid if we were up that high, but I'm talking about way overall, the sovereign God area. That's El Yon. And from there, he gives us whispers, tells us whatever, a perspective, an alignment that we need for our, our identity. I mean, he'll also show us those significant places that he needs us to be. And in those significant places, that's where his majesty and his glory will be and shine. How does that fit for everybody? I don't, I don't know. How does that fit for you? But when we go to the highest or uppermost place, that's where we gain a perspective. And in these days, and for us right now in this house, we need that perspective from that place. It's like the, when you know how they say the 20, 15, 10,000 foot view, whatever you want to say, where you can see something different. I absolutely love drones because you can see what's going on, but when they have those drones and they go up like this, you can see everything. I think that's part of a teacher's here. You see as a bigger picture. You can see what's happening when you're up higher. And that's what God wants us to have, that kind of perspective. Do you want, do you want that? Well, it costs you something because that means everything's got to be flesh, has to be down here on the earth. And it's just you and your spirit man that's in intercession, that's praying, that's walking with God, that's going to get that perspective. El Yon. Okay, so next one we've talked about quite a bit. We have Jehovah, Yahweh. We have definitely spoken about this. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say these words, but there's going to be a different perspective that God's going to give you on this definition of Jehovah. We know that it's the plans and purpose of God. We know in the Old Testament it's the most used word for God, most used characteristic aspect of God in the Old Testament. Nothing else beats it. All these words I'm talking about don't beat it. We also know, interestingly, that Jehovah is the same as Yahweh in Scripture, that the nation of Israel, those that are of Hebrew descent, I don't know how you want to say it, they won't even say that name because to them... It's sacred. So what do they use instead? A lot of times they use Adonai, but still, you know, or, yeah, it just, you can't, can't replace a characteristic of a God with something else. But anyways, so we know that the plans and purpose of God are, are like an operational or an operational aspect of the will of God in our lives. Plans, purpose. His operation, his will in our lives or in the earth, but we're talking about in our lives and in this house. You know, um, he reveals mysteries and, and, and his will to us. So we say plans and purpose. We each have a purpose. God has the plans. That's how it works hand in hand. That's a partnership. Plans, purpose. We know the purpose. He's got the plans. Execute when he says.
So now we talked about the last one, which is just the word L. It's not just the word because there's so much in there. Now, L means um, our mighty one or mighty one, and that's an aspect of God. That's where we go for that strength. feel like that's the, the place where the, the strength of God. But, and I know you guys already knew this, L is the singular form of what? Elohim. So now you have that other aspect of God along with this word L. So if L is the singular word for Elohim, then we know that God's intimacy with us is magnified when we're talking about El, the mighty one, where we think and believe we get all the strength. Lots of people just look at the definition and say, oh, the mighty one, all right. Well, it's more than that. What is your relationship and what is the strength of your relationship with God in that intimate place? Because that, the, the strength that's there, the intimacy that you have with God that is the strength that, that you have, you know? Um, L, the aspect, aspect of God, that L, which is, like I said, the singular form of Elohim, communicates or even emphasizes, maybe that's the right way of saying it too, God in whatever measure he is presenting, whatever he's whatever he's showing you, whatever he's giving to you to deal with, or whatever the right word is. Because I feel that I don't have all the right words. So when you, when you look at the scripture again, and you have all these definitions of, of you know, the aspects of God, because they're not four separate gods. They're just the different names of God, because that's the way they thought, right? Hebrews think, they still think that way. So let's go back and look at it. So Jeremiah saying, who is he that says? And it comes to pass when the Lord commanded it not. So when Adonai commanded it not. So why is Adonai commanding us? I mean, what's that aspect of God we're talking about when it's Adonai? We're talking about a placement and assignment. So who are we, Jeremiah is saying, who am I to say something outside of anything unless God commands it, unless this aspect of the Lord commands it. He placed me here. My assignment is to relay to these people these things, but I want to say so much more. This is where Moses could have done a good job and said, hey, I want to do this. I want to smack, right? Mark talked about this. I want to smack instead of speak. He told me I had to teach about it, but I couldn't find enough smack and speak in scripture to make it into a Sunday school lesson. <laughs> So here we are. <laughs> as close as I can get, Mark. I'm trying my best. You know, so it's like, okay, I, I understand what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying it to himself. He's relaying what he's been going through. That's what he's doing. But why is it in Scripture? Because he wants us to understand. God wants us to understand it as well. You know, do we have the right to say whatever the heck we want? In the United States of America, we kind of do. Right? But do we as sons have a right to say whatever we want? No. And I, I, I say that and I feel much better saying it now, but five years ago, no, I didn't like that. I want, if I want to complain, y'all just, got, just get on board and listen. The complaint train is coming through all aboard and I'm just going to be a part of it. 
you know, when you're on a train, they, they say stuff, you can't avoid it because you're on the train. You can't get off the train because, okay, anyway. Um, so <laughs> that's, this, is, this is Jeremiah. It's, it's like, maybe it's sarcastic, rhetorical, but that's, you know, that's what he's saying. Look, the Adonai has the assignment. He has the placement. We can't go outside of that. Why are we trying? Why do we think we can? Verse 38, out of the mouth of the Most High, El Yon, that's where I want to be, right where his mouth is speaking. So I hear it very clearly. Out of the mouth of the Most High, proceed not evil and good. I'm like, what does that mean? God does not speak evil. Um, no, not that way, but destruction will come. Some people think that's evil. That's where I got to change my mind about certain things because I grew up Catholic and, you know, if something bad happened, it's because you did something bad. But sometimes something bad happens and you didn't do anything wrong. Here we go again. <laughs> but when you look at this from that perspective, if it's coming from El Yon, it's coming from the Most High. It's coming from that, that pinnacle place of, of God being sovereign over all the earth. So how can anything that comes out of its mouth be evil and good? Because it's from the Most High. It, it's, just, it's the way it is. Evil is raw in Scripture, and good is tobe. That's what the words are. Still wouldn't say that God speaks evil, but I think you all understand the perspective, and that's one of those things i got to think about differently. I must drink some water. Sorry. Y'all are pretty darn quiet. Okay. So then, verse 38, it says, Wherefore doth a living man complain? So the word man in this part of the scripture is the word Adam, Adam. So we're just talking flesh and blood is how I kind of looking at it, right? You look at the definition. So where does... Thought you were going to say something, so I was looking down. Oh, getting your Bible program out. Good call, Vicky. Um, you know, a living man complains. So let's see. The word complain. Let me make sure I get that right, because I, you know, the word complain me is the word anon, which we've talked about also about murmuring and how devastating murmuring can be in your life, and how hard it is to not murmur. But how easy we allow ourselves to murmur and complain about the situation. And that's, you know, that's what Jeremiah is saying. Hey, your flesh and blood is murmuring. It's complaining about what Elyon is already speaking forth, really, when you look at the whole scripture together. Those verses I gave you anyway. And so it goes on to say, a man for the punishment of his sins. Now that word man is different. It's not it's not Adam. It's not Adam. It's the word for a valiant person. Geber and then it roots back to it's G E B E R. I want to say Gerber, but it's Geber and then it goes back to G A B A R, Gabar, which is a valiant man or warrior. So 
me, I'm looking at this, I'm Jeremiah, the first part's my flesh, the second part's my spirit part. That's my spirit part. It's my spiritual man that I'm talking to. I'm, you know, you could look at, I mean, that's how I was looking at it. So when you look at that verse, version of a man, it's a valiant man or warrior, someone that's strong, that will prevail, um, have strength for, you know, the next part, which is the punishment of his sins, which that all that is just one word. And it means um, a, a crime or its penalty. What's, what's he saying? Vicki, tell me what he's saying. <laughs> That's not helpful. It's supposed to be helpful. So you look at the two pieces together. He's, re- he's talking about all that he is, is in the midst of what's, I'm in the midst of what's happening. I don't have any right to complain and yet, as a valiant man, I am having to deal with the consequences and the punishment of the sin, the missing the mark that has occurred. And he makes it a question mark. Oh, maybe. He, and, and again, we don't know about punctuation in Hebrew either. I still haven't figured all that out. Is he being sarcastic? Is he being, you know, rhetorical? Is he stating a fact? But here he is. Jocelyn is going to now speak since you won't. Vicki, I love you. Tough teacher. Um, and, and yeah, I think this is what we've been walking through. You know, we, there are things happening in our, our own nation that we would rather not. And yet, and there's consequences for uh, the footprint that our leadership is leaving behind. And, and yet, in the midst of that, you know, we can look at that, and we've God's really asked us, okay, you can see this, mm-hmm. but I need you not to wallow and lament that it's happening, because you have to come back to, I don't know how any, everyone else is dealing with it, but you, I've got to come back and go, you know what? God's still in control. So, yes, this really stinks. I can't believe we just did that as a nation. And then I've got to go, okay, Lord. I'm so glad you're in control. And you give, you know, it's like a giving thanks for that sovereignty, sovereign of, of the Father mm-hmm. and yeah. that position that he's in. Because, yes, we're going to have, there's going to be consequences that come down the pipeline from what we've done as a nation, the stance we're taking as a nation right now. And yet we know that, you know, like in Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom. And God will give us everything we need to accomplish the task where Adonai has placed us. So we know that we've been, been positioned here. Mm-hmm. We've been his stemmate here. And even when the consequences start rolling in from these actions that have been laid forth, we got to know that God still, is still in control of where the saints are and what he's asking us to partner with him in that moment. And I was just going to say, and it harkens back to Adonai, you know, that a lot of it's about the placement. These things happening around us and to us allow us to then be placed strategically so what the Father's wanting to accomplish can happen. Mm. You know, like I was thinking even like with the loss of Robin and having to fill in to change and fill in new places, that because of that, 
there are going to be, sorry, <laughs> and crying event number three. <laughs> well, no, but there's just going to be opportunities for each of us to be expanded and to move into other points of function that if she were still here in the earthly body, we wouldn't have that opportunity. Right. And it's all part of his placement. Now, that does not negate her point of partnership that's still ongoing. Mm-hmm. But if not for the Amen. loss of physical life, she wouldn't be able to be spiritually where she is now functioning. So that's even a promotion for her and her point of function as it is for us. So Yeah. Stop crying. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all true. And it's, there's, there's so much more that God wants to see. So even while you were talking, you were speaking, because, you know, there's things that are going on that we don't like and don't agree with, and they're affecting things important like your kids. And you just like, but God wants you to look at it. He is sovereign over all the earth, but he's going to give you even more things. He's going to give you things to declare prophetically over your kids so that you speak whatever it is that God needs you to speak to to for them to be able to grab a hold of in, while they're in, in prayer, just their spirit man to see and understand. And you're the one that's going to model those things that God, that God has you speak. And it's just a different, it's like, it's like if God's in control, but he's going to give you more words than that. Yes, you have an understanding of that, but there's more that's coming. And I know our functioning, the functioning that we do has to change. We have to change because the times are changing, meaning you do function like this, but God's saying, there's your functioning now. Go ahead. And I think all of this is part of that, that promise that Jesus left us with, which is you're going to do even greater things. You're going to do more expansive things than I was tasked to do. It's not that he could have done them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't part of his assignment, yeah. part of his mission, but it is part of ours. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that interesting? I'm telling you. That is interesting. I just want you to know right now, outside our door, Lisa has arrived with Carmen. <laughs> and it's interesting. Okay, moving on. So you look, at, you look at this stuff, Jeremiah, where he was, things he was going through. You look at the stuff that we're dealing with and we're going through, and you can see, at least I can, a relationship of what, with what he's saying. And he's saying, I don't want to be pointing a finger at you, but listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't complain. Understand as a valiant warrior, there's going to be things you're going to experience that aren't your fault, but are still happening because there's sin in this world. However you want to say that. So now he goes on to verse 40. Let me say too, whenever there's a point of alignment being brought, it's messy and it's ugly looking. And it's that way because it's not in alignment. And so when you bring it into alignment, there's going to be... There's going to be an upheaval. Yeah. And, it's, and some things have to be destroyed in order for them, other things, to come into alignment. That just is the way it is. Exactly. I mean, when you lay down, when you realize that our road is not good, and we say, okay, well, we've got to lay another road down. Well, the dumb engineers lay it on top, because that's easy. But it soon breaks up again. Mm-hmm. The smart ones have to go and tear it all up. And in that tearing up, it's a mess. It's painful it's a distraction (laughs) you can't drive on it it's It's annoying yeah it's just everything about it is awful Mm -hmm. 
But that's necessary in order to put the foundation down that's new and stronger and fresh. Right. And I think that, you know, as we talk through these things, you guys are seeing this stuff, we'll understand that the necessity of what happened to Robin is part of all part of God's plan. And and yes, we're like the valiant warrior and we're dealing with the but you know what? It had to happen. And you know, I say to to, you know, into the air, I'll say into the air, the things that are happening to you are are a necessity. And if they've they've jolted you to the point of tears or jolted you to the point of being so mad you're not going to do that again or whatever it is, that's God is trying to get your attention. God has got our attention. Has God got your attention? He's got my attention. There's there's too many different things happening right now. Just in this house, I, I can't speak to anything else going other way, other other areas. I'm just saying. And Ricky, you're part of this house, so I hope you're still listening. You you are going to find a new job. Uh, you're going to find something. Uh, God, Adonai is working right now in your life. And he's going to place you where he needs you. And, and he's going to give you an assignment in that place. Whatever that place is, that part I don't have. But Adonai does. So that's, how, that's just how God's working in all of us. You think it's this way, and that's great. It's been that way, and it's been okay. But now it's like we're changing. And the other aspect of that is we've got to submit to his timing. Yeah. Because it may not necessarily be what ours is. Like, I look at Robin, and at first I'm thinking, but Father, she's needed. She fulfills an important role. Mm-hmm. Many you know, not just in the natural, in the spiritual realm right. here. And yet God knows he's, as you said, as Elion, he's the one that's at the very top looking at the whole picture and going, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. And I've got an assignment for her over here that is going to be so functional for what I'm doing here. And then I'm, like you said, moving you all into new opportunities. So it's, yeah. Make it work, people. so we look at verse 40 and and 41 and it says let us search and try our ways and turn again to the lord am i in the right place vicky okay verse 41 let us lift up our heart and our hands unto god in the heavens so these are very interesting scriptures and they speak volumes to who we are and where we are now sorry Verse 40, we'll start with that one. So let us search. We've talked about this word before. It's kaphis or kaphis, I don't say it right. Um, talking about to seek. And, and part of it, and it's from the aspect of God is wanting us to find him. So it's the, you know, um, to search, to seek, to find someone that's concealed themselves. You know, you look at the scripture and that, and that, I mean, the word in that way. Um, but there's, you know, this is a, this is Jeremiah. Look, we can't, don't give up. Keep searching. God's there somewhere. He's in this. He's in this. Look, find. Don't, don't, don't complain. Yeah, she wants to say something because I'm not saying it right. Go. Well, I, I go back to before Babylon was going to just, I mean, they were on the horizon. And part of what Jeremiah told the king at the time was, you need to surrender. You and your son need to surrender. You will live 
but you'll be in Babylon. And, but he, could, he wouldn't do it. And so because the king wouldn't submit to what God's plan was, mm-hmm. they died. They didn't live through the, the, the siege. And that's, you know, it, it reminds me, it's that, you know, God has, you know, you're saying God has a plan in this. He does. And there is a purpose in it. But if you don't follow what he's asking you to do, death will be there. Well, yeah, because if you don't realize that there's stuff there, then you're just in it and you just, you just go down to total depression, depravity, whatever. Right. I got to do something to make me feel better. Okay, thank you. I'll do that right now. More chocolate, please. Anybody? Anybody? Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. <laughs> so, right. So let us search, which this is what we've been doing. This has been an active thing for us, at least for the summertime, if not longer. Let us, you know, let us search and try our ways. And that word try is an interesting word as well, but it's talking about to examine intimately. It's not just like, well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. Well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. No, that didn't work either. No, it's like, you know, you really got to get down to the nitty gritty. Why didn't that work? Let me examine this from the heart of God's aspect. Because that's when you talk about intimacy, that's what we're talking about. And so turn again, that's that word shub. So that means we're going to absolutely turn around in the other direction again to God's plan and purpose. We're going to be a part of that aspect of God. And that Jeremiah, I mean, isn't that like the most simplest sentence of all time? You just read that and you're like, that's exactly what we need to do 24-7 from now until the day we die. And here Jeremiah is in this big impact of his life. This is his life that he's talking about. He's saying, you know what, I understand all this stuff's going on, but let me search my ways, and then those things are not his, let me turn those to him, because his plans and purpose are perfect. And you know, like I was saying, hey, I'm in God's plan and purpose, it's kind of cool. That's exactly how it'll feel. That's exactly how it will go. Got to get there. Verse 41 says, let us lift up our heart with our hands, unto L in the heavens, okay? So let us lift up our heart. We've talked about this. Lift up. We're, we're over here on the space coast. Nobody has to tell us about NASA. We understand. That's the word for that lift up. Um, our heart, which we understand, that's our mind, our will, our emotions, the, the stuff that runs us, okay? Um, and we're going to lift up our hearts with our hands. Now, this word hands is a different word than yod or whatever words we've talked about before, this word is the word calf. I know I'm not saying it right, but it's K-A-P-H in, in Hebrew. And it means the palm of the hand or the sole or, the, or hollow or flat of the hand. When you got some food and you're going to give it to a horse, they don't tell you to do this. They tell you to do this. Because in so many ways, it's so much more submissive to hand someone this way, the horse is not going to bite your... F- Here, horse, have my food. Me- okay. So, you know, keep your thumb in. But anyways, you know, I mean, that's what that word is. But when you think about the palm of the hand in Scripture, and I only found two Scriptures fairly quickly, but I had, you know, I had a lot of help finding these Scriptures. The palm of the hand also can signify miracles. 
let's talk about, what is it? I think it was Elijah, right? And he comes into town and the woman has, she has nothing left. And she tells Elijah, all I have is a palm full of, yeah, meal. Is that what you just said? Right? Well, that was the beginning of a miracle. A palm of the hand. Let's see if I can find the other one real quick because we're running out of time. Oh, the drought. Elijah seemed to have that. The drought, when Elijah was praying seven days and seven, you know, for the drought to end. And, you know, I used to think for the longest time that he, he didn't know when God was going to do what he was going to do. So he sent the guy out there to see if the promise had been fulfilled, that rain had come. And it was kind of silly because Elijah knew it was going to happen. I guess he was looking for confirmation. I don't remember. It's in 1 Kings 18.44. Who can get there quickly? Because I, I closed up my Bible program. Vicki, can you find it? 1 Kings 18.44. Because I want the scripture to be read so you guys see that. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare your chariot and get you down, that the rain stop you not. It looked like a hand, the palm of a hand. How funny is that? We look at clouds all the time and say stuff. But here God was using it as a, as a, a sign, as a wonder to... I know it sounds silly, but you know there's probably more in there about the palm of the hand, and, and this is what this is what Jeremiah is is stating to us. Let us lift up our heart, all of our mind, will, and emotions, with our hands. We need a miracle. Miraculous things are going to occur unto God. El, the plural form of Elohim, unto God's heart, the intimacy that He has. With us in the heavens. It's a different way to look at stuff, isn't it? It's a different way to look at Jeremiah and all that he was going through. And so I know all the things that, that we have been going through and we are going through. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just like, I'm okay with, with, with just stopping now, Lord. <laughs> I don't know what I mean by that. But I'm like, I just want, sometimes I just want it to stop. Fill in whatever that is, whatever it is to you, and say, yeah, I have been feeling that now and again. Well, part of that is our flesh and blood saying, no more. Like, we're going to hold up the white flag, and suddenly everything will stop. Really? If we just wave that white hanky, which Larry does when we leave this house, wave that white hanky, I mean, then everything will just, no. There's no surrender in this at all. You know, not only is failure not an option, prayer is not an option. It is a must. And that's like, at times when I feel that, the only thing I can do is pray. But I have to tell you, there's just times when I just want to keep my mouth shut. Sometimes I need to. Vicki is my best friend and I love her. All the things I've been saying just been smart alecky. I love you, Vicki. But we have to, I mean, prayer's got to be that kick that keeps us on track. So there's sorrow, which we've expressed at least three times a day and used tissues for, but there's, there's hope, which we've definitely expressed throughout the scripture because we will lift our, our, our heart up in our hands, expecting. We're expecting. That's the hope. We're expecting 
something more. We will do that. And we will search our ways. And we will turn those back into God's plans and purpose. We will face those things. Those, the, whatever those things are, that's where we have to be. And I think we're all in that place in different ways. And amen is amen and amen. So thank you guys very much. God, thank you for helping us get through this. Helping us get through this. I'll just say it that way. Way to go, Adrian, checking the mic to make sure it's still on. And here we go.